I'm Lindsay Wilson, and this is Business of Glam, the podcast where we discuss business, beauty, building your best life, and everything in between. On this episode of Business of Glam, we meet with medium, medical intuitive, and artist Davy Blue to discuss how to tap into your gifts, following your intuition, and so much more. We hope that you find this interview as insightful as we did. Enjoy! Well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So we're talking with Davy Blue today about art and medium and um, medical intuitive. Yes. A jack of all trades. I yes. love it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so we first met years ago. Yes. Pre-pandemic at a networking event. And you were doing this amazing art like wall. It was a live painting event. Yes. Yeah. It was for, wasn't it? The startup? I don't it remember. Was... I was there with Founder. Okay. But I don't remember. It was a women's event, but I'm not sure. But they had me live painting. Yes. And it was so incredible. So you Thank have you. that artistry aspect. But then, like we were just talking about, somebody was like, oh, she's a medium too. Right. And so I was obviously intrigued. Right. But I, I felt like at the time, I didn't have anybody that I like really wanted to connect with. Sure on the other side. So I remember taking your card and yes. then after my brother passed away, I was like, I know exactly who I'm calling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that tell was us. an honor. That was a really, yes. it was amazing. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. So tell everybody a little bit about you and how you got started and how you discovered your gifts. You know, I think I was always, I always felt different as a child. Um, you know, even just sitting in elementary school, I wasn't paying attention, I wasn't focusing, I was getting like D's and F's, if you even can, in elementary school. I was like zoned out, yeah. and I didn't really understand why. And I was always anxious and depressed, and I didn't realize I was feeling people. So I'm not just a medium, but I'm a, you know an empath too, so I can really feel other people's emotions. And back in the 70s, that's not something that was really talked about I mean or... I think probably not until like the 2000s well, like my, my late 2000s had no idea yeah. I mean yeah. it's not like I you know was saying anything or right. you know I just was I was struggling and didn't know why mm -hmm. and so it's something I really stuffed down and you know ended up abusing alcohol um, in my 20s as a means to like desensitize everything I was feeling and it wasn't until I met my now husband um, Gary and my guru Mitch um, that they're like by the way you have these gifts. I love that. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just really comforting to have to have an answer, to yeah. have a why behind, you know, all these weird things that had been happening to me. Just intuitive things where I was right about things or predicting things. Um, yeah. And so it was. I really credit my husband and my guru for bringing this out in me. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So you met husband and guru. Yes. And they just kind of said. They just knew. I was not on a spiritual path at the time whatsoever. I was really um, very much into going out, social life, drinking, you know, as, as an artist and really just numbing and desensitizing myself. Mm -hmm. And when I got sober, everything flooded in because I no longer had a numbing agent. Yeah. And so it was really both of them that, you know, really encouraged me to really sit with it and foster my gifts. And that's when I started sitting with people and doing readings. It's amazing. Yeah. And made it your career path. I, I did. I started yeah. really small. I sat with my guru's brother, uh, Marshall, who is just the sweetest being. And he was almost a guinea pig. 
<laughs> You're and like, I, I have to try this out and see if I can really connect. <laughs> and he was so open and so amazing and made me feel so comfortable. And then um, Kara Armstrong, I love her. Um, she was one of my first readings as well. And I was like, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't make any promises. I'm not a fortune teller. Let me just try this. And it worked and it spun my whole career. That's amazing. Yeah. And for everybody mm-hmm. out there that maybe doesn't know, what is a medium medical intuitive? So I can only answer for myself because I think every medium has different sure. gifts and different ways of doing things. And I don't always connect with people who have crossed over. It's not ever my intention during a reading. I let them come to me if that's what's supposed to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I do a meditative process. I chant in San- Sanskrit, which is an ancient um, Hindu Um, language Mm -hmm. and then I just let whatever comes come and I write it down in a journal as you know yes and then I I have no attachment to what's going to happen Um, some people do come to me who are sick and I say I can't promise that something's going to come regarding this yeah Um, and then I you know and then I give the reading without attachment and I think one of the things that I loved about my reading with you is that you don't just kind of like what you just said it's not just connecting with somebody that's on the other side that's maybe passed away it was kind of like guidance and like wisdom from Mm -hmm. the divine and your spirits right and and I tell people I don't fortune tell so I, I guess what my specialty is is I have a way of finding out what the individual trauma is with that person and how it's impacting their life and how they're maybe not living their best life Mm -hmm. and helping them to unravel that. So I was a psych major way back when. um, And so that's really my passion is helping people live their best life. And sometimes that is them having closure with a loved one who's crossed over. And I do believe stress causes illness. So a lot of times when I sit with somebody who is sick, it's, well, what's the stressor? Mm -hmm. What's the trauma? Yeah. Love that. How do you kind of ground yourself and ground your energy? Do you feel, do you pick up? (laughs) I was like, well, because I think it's like such, I think grounding is kind of something that I've been like exploring and kind Mm -hmm. of being able to like protect my energy and not pick up on everybody's energy that I'm around. Yeah. Are you always picking up on everybody that you meet? It's a constant struggle. And I will say that I'm really not good at grounding (laughs) myself. I'm better at giving other people advice as to how to ground, but I'm really not not great at that because I believe that if I'm supposed to hear something for somebody yeah I'm going to hear it and sometimes I don't know why I mean I was at the Broadmoor and I was getting that this woman had an illness and I'm like oh my gosh do I go up to her do I not but I'm not I'm not closed off right it happens all the time yeah yeah so I don't really my (laughs) art is my outlet yeah I think for my my stress release my family is my stress release like well They create stress, my kids, but it's really my happy spot, but I really don't have a good practice of grounding. I was going to say, do you have like a self-care ritual or a way to kind of get rid of energies? Only after a reading. Yeah. So after a reading, I I do like an intentional grounding and I, you know, let my divine friends know that I'm giving that person back to them. It's, you know, their job to take care of that person and to guide them. And I, I now release myself from that and I put my feet on the ground and I try to have some sort of ritual, but on the day to day, no. And so using art as your outlet, do you kind of channel when you're doing Mm -hmm. it or is it more of just a release? 
well both because okay. it is a livelihood because yeah. I am a professional artist and so but I do listen to music and that's another huge huge outlet for me I love music it can change my mood um, it can it can reground me and so I listen to music while I paint and then I name each painting after that song I love that and, so and it's Nikki release. Stearman, just so everybody knows if they're looking for more yes. of the artistry side. That is my alias, and yes. then my legal name is Davy Blue. Yes. So if you're looking for the art world, yes. that's where you want to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> because your art is amazing. Thank you. I love it. Thank it's you. incredible. It's fun most yeah. days. It can be very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so what skills do... Or, for anybody out there too that wants to kind of tap in or feels that they're an empath or have mm. some kind of gift, did you have certain tools or just kind of sitting down with people and trying to connect? Well, I really feel that was my path. I was supposed to connect with people to help people. But I think there's many gifted people out there where they're not necessarily meant to do readings mm-hmm. or to you know, help diagnose, but it's just a gift that they can use themselves yeah. to guide their own path to use their intuition, um, to use their empathic abilities to say, yeah, this person's a no for me. This person's a yes for me. Yeah. This job's a no, this job's a yes. Yeah. So I believe we, you know, most people have that ability. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like resources of tapping into it? Asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) I think like trusting that gut intuition, right? Because we do all have it. Yes. And you do meet people. And like when you look at kids, you're like, Kids definitely are like, oh, I don't want to be around. And they don't have that social cue that they're like, oh, I'm supposed to, you know, play nice or be professional or what have you. I think the biggest problem is we've been told that that is, you know, you know, too far left field Mm -hmm. or there's a lot of non-believers. And so I think as a society, we like to conform. We like to belong. So sometimes we, you know, um, desensitize ourselves with those gifts because we don't want to be different. Mm -hmm. But I think... um, mistrust of self is where most people go wrong they don't trust themselves Mm -hmm. right yeah or they think it's you know too far too far left and I think that you know most people if they really just can sit in the quiet and just trust that gut instinct Mm -hmm. and we all have different senses so there's like clairsentience clairaudience clairvoyance so everybody has um or most people I should say you know have the ability but is it do you get butterflies in your stomach? Do you see a ladybug? Like, what's your sign? Yeah. A ladybug isn't my sign. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I was like, a ladybug is always like my sign. Like, okay, you're on the right path. Like, mm-hmm. because I do think that if you ask for things, you do start to see them. Yeah, but I think as a society too, we have so much anxiety. There's just so many people that are overstimulated that they're so anxious that Mm -hmm. they don't trust themselves or they have childhood trauma, which I had extreme childhood trauma. So I didn't trust myself for years Yeah, because I was the black sheep. I was the scapegoat. I was the bad kid. So why would I believe in myself? Mm -hmm. Do you think kind of doing therapy, how did you kind of come to a grounding and like a sense of like, okay, I'm going to trust myself. Like, this is a gift that I have, and I'm going to, like, move forward with that. Well, so my guru, Mitch, and my husband, Gary, were safe people. Yeah. And I didn't have safe people that truly loved me unconditionally and where I could be myself, and I could talk about the crazy things I was seeing or hearing or feeling. And those two men gave me the safety 
to actually believe in myself to give it to give it a go so without them and they're just the most amazing beings on the planet but they're both feminine energy men and and they're men's men you know yeah. but they have that safe zone and they laid out a safe place for me I love that yeah how do you find the people for readings do you feel like it's kind of a sense of referral or I am referral only okay so I have over a little over 400 clients that I meet with you know um sometimes people come once a month I have had people come once a week once a year just to do check-ins but it's all referral based and just for kind of everybody out there what Mm -hmm. does kind of I mean I know because I yeah I can speak personally to this but what does a reading kind of look like whenever somebody meets with you So it's a little bit different than it was, you know, before COVID. And I do have a lot of clients that are out of state or out of the country. So it's typically done via FaceTime or Zoom so that they can, you know, I highly recommend they record the session, but it's a two hour session and it is a reading where it's intuitive and I have notes, but then people can also come back for a processing session. And that's where they take what happened during the reading, they apply it to life and then they come back for more of a spiritual therapy session. Yeah. So I do readings and then combo sessions and then processing sessions. But it is just two hours. I used to have unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we met for like five four, hours four or, or something. Hours. <laughs> yes. So I used to do that because I just really didn't ever want to cap anybody. Because yeah. when I used to do therapy sessions with an actual therapist, I would find that I was finally making headway. And they're like, and that's time. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was left to have to process it by myself. Mm -hmm. So I really tried to just let it occur organically. But what I found is it was really hard on my body and I was getting very sick. Yeah. I was put, and then I was typing everybody's notes, typing their cards. I mean, it ended up being a seven or eight hour process. Mm -hmm. And so now it's two hours and I take photos (laughs) of the notes and the cards and everybody appreciates it. And I think it was a little bit too much for clients too. It could really overwhelm them to go beyond two hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think setting that boundary, Mm -hmm. right? I'm sure it's very important, especially for you picking up on energies and how people are feeling and taking that on too. Well, I'm such a caretaker that I I had absolutely no boundaries initially. (laughs) It was just kind of, you know, pay whatever you want, contribute whatever you want, however many hours you need you know, call me anytime. I was doing readings late at night, early in the morning, um, you know, driving to people's homes, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour away. And I, I had to stop. Mm-hmm. I had to stop. I think it's funny just in all sorts of avenues of business, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one of the good things that came from the pandemic is that we all were like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like I need to have a boundary and I yes. need, like, I want to do this and I want to help people, but yes. I'm like going too far. And yeah, I can do this and have my sanity right and people will still appreciate it and still get as much out of it yeah and it's so mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. every single reading that I've ever done has been so mutually beneficial it helps me grow it's beneficial to whomever I'm reading but it's just such an amazing process I've had to learn like you said with boundaries um, and just redefining my process yeah and figuring out what works for you Right, because I wasn't thinking of me. Yeah. And I had to. And I'm like, wait a second. I have Mm -hmm. trauma, too. I have things I'm working on, too. Yeah. So it's really been such a mutually beneficial experience. I love that. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. How did you... What were you doing before? Just art? 
before you got into this kind no, of more full No, I was in real time? estate. Okay. I was a, I was a real estate <laughs> broker um, at Kentwood for, oh my gosh, I've, I still have a license, but I was licensed since 2008. And I specialized in short sales. I did a ton in Riverfront Park, actually. Um, but I was I did all the short sales for Kentwood Real Estate. And then just one day, we're like, actually, I'm going to no, follow my I, gift. No, my business started dwindling. I had just gotten a divorce. And, um, and, and that was, you know, I mean, one and a half, two years of my life of just uber focusing on that. And my business started to dry up. And I'm like, what? Like, this is impossible. I've been doing real estate for years and mm-hmm. I had a really good you know steady stream I was in the top two percent in the nation I'm like why am I losing business and then as that happened was when I started sitting with Mitch and then my gifts were really more profound and I knew it was the divine's way of shifting gears for me yeah I was gonna say I think that you do have mm-hmm. like that shift of when everything feels like it's falling apart sometimes it's all falling together for what you should actually be doing yes exactly and I still struggle with that sometimes because I still will have little things that will happen where it it doesn't feel good or it feels unwanted Mm -hmm. and I have to remember this is taking me somewhere good do you feel like do you feel for yourself are you like good at that like reading for yourself or like feeling no like I should go this direction or what have you no it's more I, I so for others. Yeah, yeah, I really do. I mean, sometimes I do. And yeah. sometimes it's just like a strong yes or a strong no. But there's just so much indecision because the messages don't come for me Yeah, like they do for other people. And I think that's okay. It's a good thing. I still have to get through life and do my journey the way I do my journey. So, but it's, it's been tough because, of, of course, I've had health issues and things of that nature. And I wasn't just, oh, that's <laughs> Oh, what I I'm, know what it is. Yes. Whereas for some other people, it was like, oh, there you go. Well, I think it would also be really hard if you knew everything that was going to happen. And I don't want to. For you or to you. Yeah, you know? I don't want to. I used <laughs> to want to because it felt safe to know everything in advance because then there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. But that's not life. Yeah. Yeah. But my children are incredibly gifted. I have three children and they all have the gift in, in varying degrees. Do you, how do you kind of nurture that for them? just creating that safe space for them or and they've and they've two of them have sat with Mitch and then you know I help them and um they come to me with you know questions and but yeah it's it's very different than when I was growing up yeah oh yeah we were uh, there was something maybe it was Serena and I that were talking about it and we were like self-care wasn't a thing like growing up no like taking care of yourself like self-awareness no um, like having a spiritual path. No. It was like you go to church. Yeah. If you want a spiritual path. Right. Or why is my second grader zoning out all day? It was like I was just, you know, non-compliant. Yeah. I was like, a, you know, a bad kid. I had mm-hmm. all these labels of being this difficult child or a rebel or, I mean, you right. name it. Right. And I think we do get labeled mm-hmm. in these little things where people just don't understand it and we don't know how to communicate that. So how did no. you kind of process that? And come to terms with, oh, that's how. Well, I think I was an adult at that point. So I was emancipated. And and at that point, I really could have cared less what, you know, anybody thought of me. And at that point, I was also estranged from my father. So it just didn't matter. I'm like, I don't really care what anybody thinks. And they were still continuing to label me, you know, all of these, you know, horrible, horrible things. And I just had to, you know, block it out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, gosh, I'm almost 40 at that time yeah 
I'm like, who cares? But, you know, in early childhood and high school, it was devastating. For sure. It was, it was devastating. It was crippling. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we talked about was that I needed to shed my labels. Yes. <laughs> well, I think most people do. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I think that's kind of all across the board that we have to shed mm-hmm. whatever labels we've been given even the good life. ones yeah I mean even the good ones there mm-hmm. are parents out there that are very well intentioned that are like oh you're so beautiful you're so smart and kids hear that and they're like wait a second I'm loved when I'm beautiful and smart so now I always have to be that mm-hmm. so it, it goes in the, in the positive too and so I think we need to just be careful how we you know speak with our our children and the younger generation yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. What do you kind of do for your spiritual journey? Speaking of that and like path, do you have like any books that you really love or authors or is it more like that artistry side? You know, I really try not to dive too much into the books and the podcasts and the TED talks and things of that nature because I just don't ever want it to bias mm-hmm. the gift that I have. Yeah. I think I have a really good really authentic way of connecting with people and I want to keep it that way Mm -hmm. you know but my release is really if I'm struggling is to sit with Mitch or to talk to my husband Um, being a mother is the most grounding thing in the world because I had to completely change the way that I was parenting my kids yeah I had to really break generational patterns and completely wipe out what I had done Mm -hmm. and start over Mm -hmm. and so that's been like my focus yeah yeah I think, do you have any advice? I, Me and my girlfriends talk about this all the time. Right. And I was like, I feel like we're kind of that first generation of women mm-hmm. that are like late 30s, early 40s, that are kind of breaking that generational curse that like we don't have to follow all of these mm-hmm. steps and be married by a certain mm-hmm. time or like all of these standards that have been put on us right. because that's what our mothers and their mother's generation yes. needed to do or had to do or you know, and they want you to be that good girl to follow that way. Right. The labels. <laughs> yes. The labels. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice for people out there that are kind of breaking that generational curse or going off into a new direction and like being able to have that trust in themselves? You know, it's about taking risks, I think, and doing what brings you joy. I, I believe that every human being on this planet has a purpose and a passion. And it can be a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. We can have to do the daily grind nine to five in a job that we don't love, but they have a hobby that they love. But it's really honoring what brings them joy and following that. Yeah. I mean, that's really, that's why we're here. We get one chance in this body, mm-hmm. you know, in this lifetime. And so it's do what brings you joy. And art is kind of your outlet. How did you mm-hmm. decide to kind of dabble into that, like leaving real estate? You kind of did a whole like 180, which is amazing. I, I think it is following your passion and mm-hmm. following what your gifts are. How yeah. did you get into art? Were you always artistic as a child? And I adult? was, and I loved it. And then I really started painting in my 20s because um, I wanted to stay sober. I was a club kid. Mm-hmm. I went to the clubs in my 20s, Club Sanctuary, the Voodoo Lounge, Alley Cat. Like that was my thing. And when I decided to be sober from alcohol... I'm like, what's going to keep me home Yeah, that's interesting, that's going to keep me from going to the bars? Mm-hmm. And so I painted, and then I had kids, and I I didn't think I could do it anymore. And then my husband, Gary, um, when we first started dating, he saw some of my pieces, and he's like, why are you not doing this? <laughs> 
I mean, I really attribute Gary. <laughs> yes. I was like, God, how do we all find Gary in our life? I, he really is the most incredible human being that I've ever met. But he, you know, he was like, you have got to start doing this. And so just little by little, um, I connected with a woman. Um, her name is Deborah Courtney, and she owns Denver Art Company. And I've known her since I was a child. And I reached out, and I'm like, hey, I, I paint. <laughs> do you, do you Are you interested? Me? Yeah. And she was. That's amazing. Yeah. And your art is really incredible. Thank you. I think it's Thank so you. amazing. And you've done like album covers. And I remember us talking about this, right? So I've done um, a painting for Anastasia Elliott. And she's um, an artist in Nashville. And then um, I sold a painting to Ann Taylor, the clothing mogul. That could be maybe what you're thinking. Maybe that's And then what I'm Andrew Lyko, he's a celebrity artist in California. And he has one of my pieces. It's amazing. But I love any, I mean... Yeah. Anybody and everybody. I'm so honored every time somebody buys a piece. And now you're kind of, are you in a gallery? Or are you more online with the art I'm aspect? in the online galleries um, mainly because I'm not a consistent artist. So galleries like people that do one type of art and that's all they do. They're mm -hmm. landscape. They do portraits. I don't do that. And I never will. Yeah. <laughs> I will always be recreating, reinventing I, I do linear pieces. I have angel wings. I do abstract, contemporary, graffiti on aluminum. I will never be in that box. I mean, I would love to be. Yeah. I, I've been in galleries before. Yeah. Um, but it's it's typically just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. How do you find, is it through music? Is that how you kind of get your creative process going on what avenue or which direction you're going to kind of create or just in mood. your art yeah mood a lot of times I'm you know irritated or I'm angry and so that that'll direct the painting or I'm in a good mood um I love Sherwin-Williams paint love I love all of their colors I do a lot with their colors so they really inspire yeah. me because so they're it's so fun looking through all of the fun colors and I love spray paint and marker and pencil so like it's really just like being a kid mm -hmm. having all of these products that I didn't have when I was younger yeah I'm obsessed with spray paint I was like spray paint is fun and I do so love the graffiti look that's yeah. kind of going on yeah and the oil pastels it's just fun the materials are so much fun that that really inspires me to play but Love music's it. probably the biggest. Love that. I was like, so now we know where you're like tuning out after seeing clients or what have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, do you think that everybody has a little bit of that gift? Do you think that it's something that's has been passed on to you? Like you were saying that your kids yeah. have some of the gifts. Do you think we all have a little bit of that? Or do you think it goes through different families or lineages? So I have heard that you know some people feel that we all have intuitive capabilities or psychic capabilities I, I don't know I mean that hasn't been my direct experience because I know some people that are very closed that are very closed that wouldn't entertain it it doesn't appeal to them and I don't know that those people are maybe meant to have that gift if that's how they feel right but my half sister um, Michelle she is a medium she's a physical medium so she she does you know things differently than I do she clears spaces and um, I was really, going to say, tell me what a physical medium is. I'm yeah, like, so she really curious like, of uses the her body to like, you know, clear, clear spaces. Um, she's really drawn to like crystals and um, things of that nature. So, and my mom's twin sister, my Aunt Mary, I, I love her. She's very different and I, I think she has the gift. I just do. But all three of my kids do on some level. So maybe there's a genetic component. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think it's energy? Are you an energy 
believer. I was like, I know that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was like... Universal energy. Yeah. And I am empathic, so that's why I can become, like, sick in certain spaces. Like, we went to Izakaya Den the other night for sushi, and the minute we sat down, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get out of here. There's too many people. There's too much going on. People were, you know, drinking, loud... It was, I mean, and I sat through a two-hour dinner. <laughs> I was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I told my husband. I'm spending I'm, a lot of time gosh. in the bathroom, okay? I need some quiet space. And I had to rally. It was a celebratory dinner for my daughter who just got picked up by an agent for modeling and acting. Amazing. So I'm like, I have to rally. I mean, she's 17. We were so excited. But my whole body was in panic mode. Like, I, I felt like I needed to flee. Yeah. It's so funny to me, like... I've been really into like the energies and different mm-hmm. things. I was like, you do kind of table things whenever you walk into a room and you're like, whoa, what's going on in yeah. here? There's like tension or there's certain spaces that you walk into that just don't feel good to you. And there's yes. other spaces that you've never been to that you're like, this feels like home. This yes. feels great in here. The energy is great. Yeah. How do you describe energy or like to your clients or how you connect into that universal energy? I think the best example I have is when I was in high school. I mean, I really, truly barely graduated. I had so many unexcused absences because my intent was to go to class. And I would walk to the threshold of the door and something would just pull me away. I'm like, I need to get out of here. And I think I was feeling other kids' anxiety, social anxiety, you know, agoraphobia, whatever it was, stress, they didn't want to be there. And I would get up and and leave and I had no idea why. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something people need to really pay attention to is when you go into a space or you're around somebody, what are you feeling? Yeah. Right? But that's, I mean, really, truly, that's how I am even even now. I'll walk into a space like Izakaya Den. And it's and I love Izakaya Den. It was just there was probably five hundred people in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just too much energy for one space for the night. Yes. Or yeah. like going to a concert. I will have to intentionally try to ground myself in whatever way you know I can or wear something with a crystal. I think it's more about our intention too. Mm-hmm. I think if we believe we're grounding ourselves, if we believe we're protecting ourselves, it helps. Yeah. It's the intention behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, I was like, how, I'm like trying to think of how I want to word this because I do think that we all have that little energy thing, but then we mm-hmm. get into our head mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, did I really feel that way? Right. Or maybe this person isn't so bad, right? which maybe they aren't, but like, how do you kind of trust in that and go with it or have like a protective layer to maybe explore like proceed with caution with somebody or in a certain space or a job or anything that you're maybe having like Mm -hmm. wishy-washy feelings on I think it's tricky and there's a Halsey song called graveyard and it's the even the warning signs can feel like the butterflies Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes if we're in unhealthy patterns what feels familiar feels safe and that's not always what's best right and so you know, I have a history of um, dating narcissistic men up until my husband. I was like, husband. but Gary is different. <laughs> he, is, he is very different. But really, that was off-putting at first because I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mm-hmm. kept waiting for a fight. I kept waiting for something. And I'm like, this is off. This isn't, this isn't right. But it was. Yeah. It was actually healthy. So I think we can get caught in those patterns. And so, And people also just suffer from anxiety. And that can make it really tricky. It's like... Is it the room? 
Am I feeling somebody else or is this me? Yeah. Am I self-doubting? Am I mistrusting myself? Mm-hmm. So it really takes practice, yeah. I think. I have noticed that I pick up on other people's energy and I'm like, why am I feeling like this? Like nothing's mm-hmm. really going on in my life. Like mm-hmm. I feel really anxious or mm-hmm. I feel like angry or in a certain way. Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't feel like that's me. I feel like maybe it's like something that's in the environment. But that's a beautiful way to understand and and process that and say, but I don't think it's me. Here's why. Yeah. It, it must be somebody else. I'm letting it go. Yes. I'm letting it go. It's not me. <laughs> I've tried to really learn that because yeah. I would be like, I'd just wake up and be like, I'm so anxious and I have like no reason to be or right. something along those lines. Well, and people feel energy on a global level. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, um, to bring up 9-11, some people did not go to work that day. They were mm-hmm. feeling something so much larger than their spouse having anxiety. Yeah. And so I think some people are so empathic and so intuitive that they feel it on a global level mm-hmm. and not just, you know, with their family, friends, coworkers, colleagues. Do you believe that we're all kind of energetically connected mm-hmm. to each other? Yeah, I believe in universal energy for sure. I yeah. believe in, you know, soulmates. I believe in, you know, past lives with people. I think those are the people that we're drawn to or have an aversion to. But I, I do believe that. I was like, because there's so many different beliefs out there. How did you, did you kind of intuitively choose like, okay, this is what I believe. Yeah. And I've changed my mind several times too. And that's okay. Like I'm not a black and white thinker as much as I used to be. Mm -hmm. And I'll allow myself to morph and change, change my beliefs, my spiritual beliefs, the people that are in my life as I go. Yeah. Yeah. But I did watch the documentary Heal. I think I've seen that one. It used to be on Netflix, and now I think it's on Apple TV. Um, that really changed my world. It changed my understanding, and I really, really appreciated the practitioners on there and, and their thoughts. It was the one that is the energy that's around us can kind of turn into disease. Yeah, that's right. That's a component. I was like, yeah, I feel like I've seen it. this one. <laughs> well, and how we can really heal ourselves yes. through releasing trauma and um, you know things that have happened to us in our in our past. Mm-hmm. Because I think as people, we really carry things. We take things personally. We internalize things, and we keep it with us. And it can really manifest as illness. Yeah. How do you work with your clients to release and let go? When you kind of figure out that maybe this medical condition or something along Mm -hmm. those lines is stemming from a trauma that maybe they don't even realize has happened. Or I was just talking, um, we did an interview with Brooke Jean and she was like, I call them little T's and big T's just because it wasn't this big, giant, big T. Mm -hmm. That's what we think about when we Mm -hmm. think of trauma. Right. But just something somebody said one time. One time. It could be a little T and that's a thought that you have in your head. Yeah. Or forgetting to bring something to school and everybody looks at you and that can impact somebody too. Yeah. But really I let the divine give me the messages that are for that particular client. And then, you know, we work through that on an individual level. Yeah. But a lot of times they do have illness and then we do a a subsequent session and then the trauma piece comes and then they they unravel it. And I do believe in radical remission. Yeah, I think we, I did see Heal because I remember Mm -hmm. that he was, their one example was, um, like if we go to a doctor and we like broke our bone, they cast it, but our body heals it. Right. 
And it's really, it's, they talk a lot about the prognosis mm-hmm. um, and, and not to necessarily believe the prognosis. You get the diagnosis, but you don't listen to the prognosis. And one of my very favorite clients ever, he unfortunately passed away, but he, when I very first started sitting with him, he was diagnosed with stage four liver and pancreatic cancer. And that's really a three month or under mm-hmm. prognosis. He yeah. lived two and a half years. Yeah. I think as long as you believe. Yeah. And I actually listened to a podcast with Deepak and he mm-hmm. was a medical doctor and yes. he remembers telling, I don't know if it was him or somebody else that was in his residency, told a patient that they had cancer and he was like, you just felt their whole energy shift yeah. and like feeling like, oh, I can't survive this. Right. And it ended up being the wrong person that they told that to right and he was like that's when I really got interested in like what is this energy like what is that feeling that happens inside of us and mentally when we're told bad news or that something's gonna happen right and I think with a lot of people that I work with illness becomes almost anticipatory Mm -hmm. they have one thing that happens one thing that goes wrong and they start to anticipate it and it can be something even with weight loss they start to identify or label themselves as overweight, as you know, fat or whatever, whatever you know, words they're using to describe that, and then it becomes anticipatory. They're like, "Well, I'm never going to lose the weight. I'm always going to be this person," and they just keep going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that happens with illness too. Some people get it, receive a diagnosis, and they internalize it, and they're like, "Well, everybody I know who's had this has passed away, so that's going to be me." Yeah. And they start anticipating the worst. I think the one thing that I always hear whenever I tell everybody that I like want to see a medium mm-hmm. or I want to see a psychic or I want to yeah. get my tarot cards read, whatever, sure. pick whichever avenue you want to go down, mm-hmm. is what if some they tell me something bad? Yeah. How do you kind of deal with that if you do get a message from the divine or spirit? How do you kind of communicate that to yeah. clients? Well, so my clients know that, you know, if there's something they don't want to discuss, then I won't discuss it. But I've never actually had that happen. Everybody wants to hear it. And I believe if it's coming, they're supposed to hear Mm -hmm. it. You know, even if it's difficult, like my client who was diagnosed with, you know, cancer. I mean, that had come in three readings before he actually went to get checked. And so it was something that was really hard to hear. But he eventually went and, and sought help. Do you think that we do have like free will into it to be able to change our direction? So maybe a message that's necessarily mm-hmm. coming through is maybe mm-hmm. a warning and that we can change like mm-hmm. the trajectory of 100%. how things happen. A hundred percent. That's what I always say whenever I'm like, I'm 100%. seeing a psychic or a medium. I'm yeah. like, it doesn't mean that it's like no. the law. Correct. That this is the only way that it's going to happen yeah and I tell all of my clients that I see past present and future and sometimes I can't discern which is which I don't know if this is something that's coming or if it's something in the past I don't I don't always know so I, I believe that they can you know use that information especially if it's a diagnosis to say okay diabetes came I don't want that what can I do mm-hmm. how can I change my life today yeah it doesn't have to be scary y'all <laughs> no, but some of my readings are very intense, but you know, I think people really appreciate that. Yeah. 
I did. Which is why it's been a two hour, <laughs> two hour session. I know. I I maybe ruined you. You no. were like, I am not doing another five hour no, session ever I loved, again. No, I, I loved our session. <laughs> and I think it's really when people are open minded. Um, but I think a lot of clients come with an agenda. And so, you know, I have a whole spiel before they book with me. I'm like, look, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not going to tell you when you're getting married, if you're getting married, if you're having kids, any of these things. Um, I, I just don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. I remember one thing that you told me during my reading mm-hmm. that you were like, I can't tell you exactly like who the man is that you're going to marry because what if you're meant to, you're going to marry somebody with blonde hair, blue eyes, but mm-hmm. you meet them through this man that you go on a date with that has black hair and yep. brown eyes yes. and you've missed your entire opportunity yes. to do it. Right. So do you feel like you kind of, you give detail, but you don't go into the specifics of like exactly who maybe you picture somebody with. Especially or when it comes to love. Like that. Yes, especially when it comes to love and, and things of that nature. It's just, you know, it's it's part of the journey. And I think people, because they want love so badly and mm-hmm. they want a deep relationship, they hold on to every word that a psychic or a medium will say and then they miss opportunities and maybe they're missing that opportunity yeah because they have such an attachment to an outcome Mm -hmm. instead of just letting things flow organically okay so i'm trying to learn how to let it flow in life me too any advice (laughs) (laughs) that you have it's it's hard because when things are good we want them to stay good and Mm -hmm. when we're on the highs we want them to stay that way but that's just not life we always have the ebbs and flows and they come in many forms through losing somebody losing a job but it's just holding on to but that's going to take me somewhere else and I think if people can look back on their own lives historically they'll see how many amazing things that have have occurred and also the losses and the yucky stuff but that it does get better yeah for sure but that it will possibly <laughs> dip again and that's i mean but that's life yeah it is yeah it's true yeah and so it's as mitch would say it's embracing the wildness mm-hmm. our life is wild and it's just embracing all of it it is wild it's very wild <laughs> it was like sometimes i'm like can we just calm down a little bit yeah like just Bring it in a little bit for me. But that's when I think people, you know, will go hide out for a little bit or they become mm-hmm. more introverted. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think it's honoring themselves and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I know that we kind of talked a little bit about it, but for anybody that does have like that energy feeling, like mm-hmm. I think for me, it was kind of listening to different podcasts, reading mm-hmm. books about energy and mm-hmm. spirit and signs that kind of allowed me to be yeah. like, okay, I'm having this feeling and I don't really have anything going on. Like this must be coming from something right outside of me. Do you have any advice for people or is it kind of more individual of like, how do I identify if they are having gifts or maybe seeing things or maybe connecting to spirit or source or just energy and yeah. Yeah. I mean, how to kind of define it and work through that. Yeah, I think it's even you gave an example earlier of you had to really sit still and say, wait a second, I'm good. Everything's good in my life right now. Why am I feeling this? So I think it takes practice. It's something, it's a skill set that people can develop over time when they start to pay attention to the signs or, oh, it's every time I'm around that person, I feel this. Mm -hmm. Or every time, it's even with food sensitivities or alcohol or um, external stimuli. Some people are sensitive to weather. But I really do like the documentary Heal. So I would highly recommend that. 
Um, I know that like Joe Dispenza, Michael Beckwith, Anita Morjani, they're all heel practitioners and they have really amazing books. I did a lot of Google searching. I still Google angel numbers because I don't have everything memorized yeah. and I'll, you know, someone's like, oh, it's Mercury's in retrograde. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And I get online and I, I Google. <laughs> I Google a lot. Damn Mercury and retrograde. Well, it's whatever. I think people have to trust what they're drawn to. There's certain, you know, books that everybody raves about. And I'm like, eh. Yeah. We don't have to hop on, you know, everybody's coattails with the whole, you know, spiritual performing. Yeah. Which I think is a big thing right now. It's it's very much a buzzword. It is. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody wants to have a spiritual path and a spiritual journey and kind of go down. Right. Yeah. And I think those terms get misused, you know, empathic people, um, you know, a lot of people with energy, a lot of things, you know, get misused or maybe they're not fully understanding what's what's going on. So I think researching or finding somebody that you trust, you know, a medium, a psychic, um, somebody that does Reiki, healing, intuitive massage, breath work. I mean, I think all of those are are great if somebody's drawn to it, Mm -hmm. but it's really honoring the individual. Yeah. Do you do like certain meditation or breath work or energy work I do it all <laughs> so I have done breath work and I've had really positive experiences but it's just not something for me it was kind of like Pilates like I tried it and I'm like wait this isn't changing my body the way everybody said it would yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just had to honor and my time I have yeah. three children it's you know I'm incredibly busy um, most days and so it's really I had to really find what worked for me and it's really sitting with Mitch Um, I do do chanting in Sanskrit before every reading, but I do not meditate every day. And it's something that has been really encouraged and I just can't. Yeah. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I have to, (laughs) I have to use an app to be able to do it and like have my lesson for the day. Yeah. Because then I want to find out what my lesson of the day is. Yeah. Which is the same for everybody. Yeah. That has that. Yeah. You have to. (laughs) I was like, but it just tricks me into meditating for like 10 minutes in the morning. Yeah. And that's like all I have. And I think that's amazing. But I think that I've really learned to embrace my intensity. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely much more calm than I was, you know, five, six years ago before I really embarked on this journey. But I really embrace my intensity. It's just part of my personality. And I don't know that I'm ever going to really be one of those quiet people that are always in inner peace. And it's just not, I don't, yeah, I have to honor all my emotions. Mm -hmm. I love that though because I do think it's embracing things and I think sometimes you have to give it up and say Mm -hmm. like you know what I don't feel like meditating today and that's okay like I'm just not there I just don't need it yeah and I have some clients that are just really high intensity and they're always on the go and there's not much downtime but it works for them Mm -hmm. they're healthy they're happy they're productive so why change it but I think there's a, a misconception that everybody needs to be in this meditative phase and doing all of these you know spiritual practices and it has to work for the individual yeah it's your life I agree yeah so I think last question I would love to know your thoughts on past lives I believe yeah I 100% believe and do you think that's kind of why we're connected or drawn to certain things in this lifetime so I actually died when I was nine and came back and I had another near-death experience in my in my 20s and so I'm a firm I'm a firm believer because I can remember hovering over myself and seeing myself. So I don't believe that our soul dies. I don't know that everybody reincarnates or how many times because I don't have a direct experience with that, but I absolutely believe that our soul stays and people come back. 
I love that. Yeah. I was like, I've been told I've been here a long time. Do you feel anything off of my past life? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been told a lot that I've had a lot of past lives. I don't know if it's true or not. And I do believe in that. I think that my, my children are old souls. I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people will see, you know, a child and they're like, oh, he's such a wise old yeah. soul. And I don't, I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah. So I do think there's, there's something there's to something that. There's something to it. But I do know for sure with my direct experience that I came back. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure. So good to see you. So good to see you too. Thank Thank you. you. And then we'll post in um, all of the comments of where everybody can find you for art and any type of reading. That would be lovely. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Lindsay Wilson, and you've been listening to Business of Glam. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe, review, and download this podcast. If you're ever in the Denver area, be sure to come by and see us at Glamour Bar. Until then, stay glam.
on to certain things in this lifetime? So I actually died when I was nine and came back and I had another near death experience in my, in my twenties. And so I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer because I can remember hovering over myself and seeing myself. So I don't believe that our soul dies. I don't know that everybody reincarnates or how many times because I don't have a direct experience with that, but I absolutely believe that our soul stays and people come back. I love that. Yeah. I was like, I've been told I've been here a long time. Do you feel anything off of my past life? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been told a lot that I've had a lot of past lives. I don't know if it's true or not. And I do believe in that. I think that my my children are old souls. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times people will see, you know, a child and they're like, oh, he's such a wise old soul. And I don't, I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah. So I do think there's, there's something to that. There's something to it. But I do know for sure with my direct experience that I came back. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure. So good to see you. So good to see you too. Thank Thank you. you. And then we'll post in um, all of the comments of where everybody can find you for art and any type of reading. That would be lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Perfect. Oh, that was exciting.